You know, my friends, my church, I had this great teaching sermon all planned for you. It was all planned. I had it all thought out. I was going to use different biblical translations, and together we were going to read through a few different translations, these important verses from the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to together glean wisdom. But even though it was a really great sermon, then you sent me to annual conference in Redlands. And I suppose that I could blame it on the immense heat. Like I said, it was about 105 most days. But I can't. I can, however, blame it on our bishop. Because Bishop Grant Hagia also shared his reflections on these verses. And if you know me by now, I'm always kind of never quite done with a sermon. And I'm thinking throughout the time of sort of preparation with a sermon, what does the church need to hear? What is this text telling us today? How is God speaking through these verses? And Bishop Hagia's insight, I mean, he is bishop after all, really hit home with me and impacted how I read these verses and how I understand and what I am hearing in the text. So right before me as I'm sitting there in conference, boop, went my sermon. That beautiful, brilliant sermon is gone. So you get this one instead. And if it's really bad, the good news is you can call the bishop's office. It's not his sermon. It's his reflections impacting my reading. His reflections brought me to a place in my heart that I, I wasn't going to share with you. It's nothing scandalous. It's just sort of boring. But I think it's kind of insightful. So first, an admission. I've always, always loved these verses from Matthew. For one, even though I'm learning to live in a world that grows increasingly complex by the minute, I do like things fairly cut and dry. I don't like a lot of rules. I don't function well in a lot of structure. Creative types rarely do. I, like many of you, I appreciate simplicity in design and instruction. And in fact, our lead pastor, Pastor Mark, asked me, we were talking about something the other day, something about how I work, how I approach things. And I said, most of the time, just give me some clear guidelines, a basic structure, clear framework, and then know that I may break all of those. But I need that starting point. I need that structure to start with. So for me, the earliest days of my call to ordain ministry, I have found these particular verses to be reassuring. Reassuring for myself then, and I think the church today, because they offer clear instructions about what we are supposed to do. And they articulate fairly clearly how to do it. Because I don't know about you, but when I was first called to be a disciple of Christ, I was a little like, huh? What does that mean? Like, what does that mean, this word disciple? It's a fancy Bible word. I don't know what that means. So for starters, I'll share with you, and I've shared this in other sermon, but it was years ago. The Greek word for disciple is akulatheo. It doesn't like roll off the tongue, but I'm going to ask you to, to work with it. So say it back to me. I'll say it, and then you say it back. Akulatheo. Akulatheo. And it actually, even though it's translated over and over again as follower, a more 
specific definition is someone who walks alongside, right? So to be a disciple of Christ means you're walking alongside Jesus, and you're walking alongside others and Jesus together. Okay, that's great, but what is that exactly? And these are the kind of questions that keep me up, kept me up then, keep me up now. What does one actually do? I'm not just going to go out into Long Beach and start walking with somebody. I mean, I might, but I'm likely not to do that. So it's these verses that Bishop Ahagia was using when he was reminding us, clergy and laity alike, sharing with us once again what we are to do as the church, what we are to do today and every day as disciples, clergy and laity. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ means following Jesus' model, walking alongside God's people, one and all. And specifically, that looks like in these verses, we are out and about. Jesus is with and in and among God's people. And that's what we're to do. We're teaching all the time, not necessarily with a Bible in one hand and a chalkboard out the other. We're teaching with our lives, with the decisions we make, the choices we choose, with who and where and how we share God's love. We're proclaiming this good news that we know, that God loves all people all the time. And we're out there with our walking, healing God's world. Here, verse 35, this is the very first verse we read, and I always encourage folks to take that pew Bible out and follow along if you'd like to. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. He's out and about, daff, for laborers deserve their food. And now I want us to hear these verses again in the message, because this is some good stuff, and this is where it really arrives at the heart of how we do discipleship. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You, you are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. Travel light. We are to go about being a disciple just as we are. We don't need special certificates or diplomas. We don't need a certain set of clothes or shoes. I like my shoes. Or makeup or haircut. We aren't required to have a particular theological training. In fact, a lot of times those just make things a lot more complicated. We don't need to speak one language or another, be any age or size. We are called into walking with Jesus from every race and every gender and every orientation and every ethnicity and every social economic strata. What we do need to do, O oh church, is to be us. We need to be who we are, who God created us to be. You see, you and I, you and I, we are the equipment that God has created and that God needs. And that's never, ever been more clear to me. This morning, we are celebrating many graduates who've worked hard to achieve these immense milestones. 
And I always say, we're not just celebrating graduates. We're celebrating the families and the friends and the communities and the places of faith that have supported these graduates on their journey. And because I believe these graduates, they are going on to make and currently are making our world a better place right now. They were and they are the equipment God needs. And this morning, we get the opportunity to celebrate Groundling Summer Day Camp, which is, I can't even believe I'm saying this, in its fourth year. It started as a little dream among a few folks here, as an outreach ministry of our church. We listened to how God is at work in our community. And what we heard was that most families are dual, hard-working families. Parents who work all day long and need a place for their children to have fun and be cared for that is safe and loving. And part of the VBS wisdom is that the summer allows us special time without the impact of sports schedules and academic requirements. It's a really special time, and Groundlings has become a really special place where we, you and I, those in the green t-shirts and everyone else, where we are the equipment. And I want to share a few things that kind of highlight how this passage connects to this ministry. Groundlings campers are both children from the Los Altos Church family and children from the wider community. And I'm happy to share that we have the largest enrollment we've ever had. Groundlings campers are high school youth who, sorry, counselors who volunteer weeks at a time to work with the campers. Youth and campers and interns play and learn and sing and do messy crafts. But the whole time, they're walking alongside one another. They're walking alongside Jesus on their journey. They're learning leadership skills. They're honing their unique gifts. Groundlings interns, Jordan, you heard this morning, are college students and occasionally older high school students who lead our family groups. You see, when a camper comes into Groundlings, one of the first things that happens is they're welcomed into a family group all week long. And that family is a unique group. They get to choose their own family name, and they make a banner. And that whole week, together, they'll build relationships with the intern and the counselor and the campers. They get to have fun They get to learn about Jesus by doing and by building relationships in these family groups. And do you know what's amazing to me? Is we have an amazing group of adult volunteers who help make it happen. Arts and crafts and lessons and the snacks that you donate and the prayers that you offer. Before I even wrote this, I I didn't even think about this. We have an adult volunteer who every year writes weeks and weeks of the curriculum we use. That's her gift. She's a retired teacher who really loves doing it, and it's really good curriculum. I've taught it. She's the equipment. She's the equipment that God is using. Just one example. All of camp is founded and created on this idea that we are the equipment. And while we don't need lots of money, we do work hard to raise some so that every camper who wants to come gets to come. I'd say that our camp is a true labor of love, that at its heart is formed with this idea that's coming right from Matthew. We are the equipment God needs. 
And you, church, you can name so many other ministries and places. The choir, you are the equipment God needs. You raise your beautiful voices week after week. You rehearse so faithfully. You are the equipment that God needs to help us honor God each week in worship. God doesn't need fancy, shiny, new. It's great when the choir sings like nobody's business. But God needs us. God needs you and I, and I'm pretty far from fancy or shiny or new. That much I can guarantee you. But I am a unique and named child of God. I'm Melinda Lane Teeter Dodge. In an age where everything calls us into deeper complexity, where people are increasingly more plugged in and yet lonelier than ever, In a world where to be a follower of Christ is often witnessed through the lens of extremism and exclusion. In an age when we often forget or ignore the important spiritual practice of rest and Sabbath. In an age such as this, let us remember, and church, let us remind one another, that God has made us with purpose to follow Jesus Christ to be disciples of his loving compassion and caring for all God's people. Let us remember that we don't need anything but what God gave us at our birth, our unique and beautiful selves. As you go forth this week, now I think you may have, do you have the GPS sheets in your pews? They're little white half sheets of paper. Yeah, some of you do. If you don't, um, you can pass them out. I sort of meant to introduce what that was, and I forgot. So God made me unique and beautiful and mistaken all the time. Um, so what those are are um, pads of little pieces of paper um, that you can write notes on during the sermon, which we just passed, but later on in the service. There's some questions there that I'm going to read to you, but I invite you to take these questions home and continue to pray over them. Those little sheets of paper are great to have leave on your like dashboard or you can tape it to your bathroom mirror or just in your pocket to kind of remind you, you can take notes about worship, but to kind of remind you all week long what scripture we're looking at, what you want to remember. So on that, you'll see these questions I'm about to read. I invite you to continue reflect on these. Where in your life Do you see how God might be using you to reflect God's love? Where are you the equipment? Where could you be? When have you felt or heard God calling you by name? And as Methodists, we recognize we are on journeys at many different places. And so some of you may, maybe can't say, I, I, God called me by name at this point. And if God, if you haven't had that or feel like you haven't, I invite you this week to lift up a prayer and just ask God. God, call me by name. I need to hear you in my life. And if you are brave enough to ask God to call you by name, watch out. Start listening. God's going to be speaking to you. God's already speaking, 
But when you take that act of engaging, God, call me by name. I need to hear you. Listen carefully. Surprise you. God's going to call you by name. And watch out. Today and every day, let us remember these wise words from the Gospel of Matthew about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. Travel light. Amen.